Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Oh, yes. I love a declutter. I was reading about um, Stacey Solomon recently, who I know, you know, I mean, she takes it to the extreme. Like I've seen like packets of crisps hanging on hooks in her. Have you seen that picture? So she has this snack cupboard for her kids and all the crisps are hanging on hooks in a line. I'm not that bad, but I do like a nice hour or so, so pottering. Like I, I, God, it makes me sound so sad, but I get immense joy out of like clearing out a knicker drawer or sorting out the junk drawer in a, in a, in a kitchen. And I read something that Stacey Solomon had said that when she's doing it, she almost goes into a kind of meditative state because that's all you're focusing on. And I kind of get that, you know, um, I'm fighting a losing battle because I live with three people that all love to keep stuff. Um, <laughs> and I'm the one that likes to chuck it all out. But just that kind of um, taking that time out, whether it's 10 minutes, half an hour, you know, two hours, you know, a good old wardrobe clear out, nothing better. Do you clear yours out? Oh, that's or my real signpost for me. Decluttering is a sign of um, something needs to shift. Yeah. I hate accumulating Me stuff. too. And I discovered the folding lady recently on Instagram. And yeah, now all of my too. drawers are just... But yeah. it, and it brings me immense joy to open my knicker drawer in the morning. I'm the same, you know? And, and I, it's really funny because I was talking to Rosie Green the other day about it. And I went round to Rosie's house and I was like, my God, woman, you know, this was pre-lockdown. I went round with um, Nadine Baggett and, and the three of us sort of went to tackle Rosie's bedroom. And she just couldn't get her head round it. I'm like, you do not need 25 perfume bottles on your dressing table. You need one or two and then the rest can go away. And there is, you're right. I get quite twitchy if I don't. And, and I think during lockdown it's been quite tricky because there hasn't been any time for just me to do things like that mm -hmm. um yeah the kids are the kids find it all quite amusing because obviously I've got two little girls and um you know I have I have what I call a holding zone up in the loft where I've got these two massive bags so every now and again when they're at school I put a load of their stuff in it and then I stick it up in the loft and then if they haven't asked for it for a year it, it <laughs> um but yeah there is something strangely calming about sorting out something in your house. I mean, Marie Kondo has made an absolute killing from it, hasn't she? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily go down that road, you know, where she says that don't ball up your socks because you might hurt their feelings. But I do... <laughs> yeah, my I do, socks yeah. <laughs> properly bald. I love the efficiency of just using your space really well. And no, and also that as that thing, I think when um, this girl can organize, Nicola Lewis came on the podcast, she talked about when you, like you can hold on to things because you've spent money on them. Yeah. So you think, well, I spent money on them, so I can't get rid of them. And, but the money's already gone. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I sometimes think there's something so refreshing about freeing up that space. And it's what it does mentally. It's how, how it almost clears your mind. Absolutely. I find that if my space, if the space around me is a mess, my head is a mess. I'm 100%. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm one of those people that has to make sure that the kitchen is cleaned and tidied the night before, because in the morning, um, when I come down, if it's messy or there's stuff in the sink or, you know, I can't, it's, I think it sets me off on a bad footing before Agreed. I start anything. So even if I'm absolutely knackered at the end of the, you know, Sunday night, 
I will still make sure that the kitchen is clean and tidy and everything is put away. So yeah, yeah I think decluttering is a, is a big one. I me. know holidays are a touchy subject right now because uh, being unable to travel and whatnot, yeah. but are you somebody who changes the bed and hoovers before you go on holiday so that you yeah. come back to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my house, when I leave, I make sure that, you know, the fridge is emptied, that the house is tidy. Um, because again, like you say, there's nothing worse than coming back from a, oh God, I've forgotten what glorious summer holidays are like. <laughs> but coming back from a holiday and just finding, you know, a pile of washing that you've not done or, yeah, it's 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 a really strange one. And it's something that nobody else in this house gets or understands. Um, you know, my husband and I are polar opposites. We are, we are left to his own devices. He would collect and keep everything. Whereas left to my own devices, I would chuck everything. <laughs> We've sort of found a kind of balance. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that I find if I am surrounded by mess and junk and just stuff, I can't think straight. Yeah, that's true. All right, so decluttering, we got it. That's a great one. And it's it's a feel-good habit that really, really makes a big difference as well, I think. So what is habit number two? Habit number two is um, a bedtime routine. Mm. And establishing a routine that works. And I am now 48, so I am definitely perimenopausal. I wouldn't, I don't think I'm menopausal yet. I mean, my periods are still regular. But what I've discovered... And I've really struggled in my 40s. I found, I remember when I hit 40 and thinking, oh, this is going to be a great decade, you know, and you read all those magazines where people like, oh my God, like I love my 40s. My 40s were amazing. Like I finally became the woman that I wanted to be. I've really struggled. I've had a really tough 40s. Um, I found probably in my, uh, I would say mid 40s, I wasn't working much. I started to sort of, wonder what I was doing with my life where I was going was it just that I was going to be a mum and I was just going to make chicken nuggets and pasta and pesto for the rest of my life I did I felt invisible you know um that I I, I definitely felt odd started getting a lot of anxiety wasn't sleeping properly got quite down quite depressed quite quite yeah just just really sad I guess is the word I'm coming out of it now which is blissful because there was a time I would say I think 44 45 was really tricky for me um and I'm I'll be 49 this year so I'm coming out of it but the more I now read about the menopause and what it does and the symptoms that it can give you the more I go Aha, that's what it was right. um and for me a bedtime routine is super super important because I find if I don't get enough sleep I'm not the most fun to be around the next day <laughs> but I was finding what was happening was I was waking up at kind of three in the morning and literally being wide awake and thinking well I might as well get up I might as well get up and tidy or I might as well get up and go and do something mm. and then I'd sort of be lying there for about an hour thinking well that's ridiculous you can't get up and do something at three o'clock in the morning and then I'd drift back off to sleep and then you know the alarm would go off and I'd just be done for so I've had to experiment. There's been lots of sort of trial and error to sort of find out what works for me. Um, one thing is no phones in the bedroom at all. And the days that I do take my phone to bed, 
guaranteed I will look at it I will hop on Instagram I will be looking at a magazine and think well that's a nice dress let me just go and have a look you know I and then I've gone oh my god there's an hour gone how has that even happened so I now make an effort to leave my phone downstairs in our kitchen so there is no not even just at the other side of the bed or you know in the same room it's not even on the same floor as me now and I find that that makes a huge difference um I take supplements at night now so I take um magnesium and I've started using some drops by a company called Life Armor Nutrition that um Lizelle has talked about a lot and they're called drops of slumber and they kind of they don't knock you out they're not like sleeping pills but they just give you a better quality of sleep and I do still sometimes wake up but when I do I drift back off again quite quickly so no phones supplements I've got one of those little um diffusers you know that spurt nice smelly steam out (laughs) so I've just bought a very lovely one of those from Rocket St George obviously looks really glamorous and very sort of it's black and gold and all very Rocket St George so I use an Aesop um burner oil in that as well and I put that on about an hour before I go to bed I'm normally in bed at about, I sound like such a granny, at about nine o'clock. <laughs> and then I read. And, you know, I'd love to be one of these people that says, oh, I meditate and I journal and do I hell? No, do I shy? I can't. <laughs> but I do read a good book. <laughs> I've tried meditation so many times and it's just not for me. Do you meditate? Um, no, I don't actually. I did really give it my all for a long time. I just can't be consistent with it. And I am pretty disciplined. I can be consistent at things, but I found that um, what is really helpful is there's an app called Binaural Beats. Okay. And you can program it to different sound waves. And so for example, if I'm struggling to sleep, if I put it on the meditation or sleep section with my headphones on, that makes me just, and that does because of the sound waves, it does take your brain into that same sort of brainwave oh, oh i might try that as well then but mm. yeah i mean for me that that the trying to get a decent bedtime routine together um fresh sheets i do like a fresh sheet oh, i do yeah. like there's nothing better is there like once a week i do i give them a change and i go oh my god this is so good so yeah i don't tend to do all the kind of pillow mist sprays and all of that malarkey but just establishing a decent routine at a decent time I love a bath I mean I could I could soak in a bath every night given half the chance but you know that doesn't happen because I've got two kids that literally even if they're fast asleep as soon as my bath <laughs> gets the bottom of that bath mom like no but if if my husband's at home because he's away quite a lot but if he's at home then I will sort of go and lock myself in the bathroom for an hour as well before before the, the whole bedtime routine starts because I think they're rather lovely and is bath time for you is it lights off maybe a bit of candlelight and nothing else no reading or is it you quite like to do something like watch something on the ipad or you know I I often think the build-up to a bath is actually more pleasurable than the actual <laughs> bath yeah. is the anticipation of it you know I do go in I light the candles I get all the bath oils out I do all of that I do read in the bath because again I'm not I'm not very good at switching off which is maybe why I was really dreadful at meditation because I can't I can't just you know stare into space I've got a friend that can go into a bath for like two hours and literally until the water goes cold and then we'll get out and we'll just that's not for me 
the whole ritual of a of a mm. bathing experience is is something that I really enjoy. So I probably stay in it for about twenty minutes instead of like, but I do read in. I've got a Kindle, so I'll just hop in the bath and read something, which is another thing that I've done a lot in um, lockdown as well. Um, I'd much rather read a book at night than than watch a TV program. So I've been doing lots of reading. I need to channel you and stop watching the bold type at bedtime and start reading. <laughs> it is hard though. I mean, I'm really into, God, I'm obsessed with Ted Lasso at the moment, which is, have you seen it? I've heard it's amazing. It's next on oh, my list. You know, it's so not what I would have thought I would have liked, but I absolutely adore it. So you must watch it and let me know what you think because I am quite obsessed with it. So I'll allow, you know, I'll do one or two of those a night and then I'll, and then I'll head on up. But yeah, I think a bath time, bath time and bedtime routine is massively important. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, what is number two, uh, number three, sorry. <laughs> number three, um, exercise that works for me. Mm. Crucial. I, yeah. Massively crucial because I'm in awe of you. I watch you doing your Gillian things, and I'm like, Jesus, you're so good. Like that does not work for me. Like any kind of home workout, Zoom. Joe Wicks can quite frankly do one as far as I'm concerned. I mean, bless him. I know he has, you know, ignited the nation and all the rest of it. But I really struggle to do it at home. Um, I've got a friend that runs these. Then they are fantastic Zoom classes, fit for a fiver, and they are brilliant. But I find I get really distracted or I'm like doing some crunches and I'll notice that I've left my slippers under the sofa. So I'm like trying to get under the sofa to get them and, you know, the doorbell rings or the dog comes and sits on the mat. And I just struggled. And then I was like, I'm going to run. So I downloaded the couch to 5K and I did it. And there were moments of euphoria, <laughs> but so few and far between. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this either yoga I love um we used to have a great yoga studio in the high street and it sadly closed down so I did love yoga but the thing that works for me is the gym I like I like a designated space I like thinking to myself I'm going to go into that space I'm going to be in there for an hour I'm going to come out again and that works and mm. I think being swayed I think it's a bit like diets isn't it you know trying to find something that works for you not what everybody else is doing not what the latest craze is not that oh you're going to drop you know eight dress sizes in two minutes and you know <laughs> none of that it's finding something that works for you and for me it's the gym and and weights and spin classes and things like that um I'm not a big group player like the thought of doing crossfit makes me want to vomit i mean literally i can't imagine anything worse than a load of people trying to encourage me to do a burpee um <laughs> but i know it works god so many of my friends are obsessed with it but no don't want to be doing any of that team playing stuff i like to go in get my headphones on crack on yeah, so who, is it who came on the podcast recently who said it's a quiet fight with myself is is what exercises and it, and I totally agree with that it's that idea of I'm I, the only person I'm competing with is me and I want to come out the victor at the end of this 26 yeah. minutes of Gillian telling me to do <laughs> telling me to do one-armed burpees at which point I flip the bird at the television and say oh. we're getting two arms Gillian <laughs> you're lucky yeah I I think that and I but I think it's really important as an individual to not get swayed by what everybody else is doing yeah. 
you know, um, and we did try Joe Wicks, bless him, like two or three, <laughs> two or three mornings at the very beginning of all the lockdown. And, you know, Lottie, my youngest, is like, oh, do we have to do that bouncy shouty man again? I'm like, no, we don't. We're fine. Um, but I think it is, it, it's really important to find something that you like because it's pointless otherwise. Like yeah. you say, otherwise it becomes a chore and then you will always find something to put you off doing it and we've we've got a high one that's a gym that's opened up in my high street I mean I can practically see it from where I'm sitting at the moment there is no excuse and you know yesterday I was quite short on time but I thought I'm just going to go for half an hour and I'm going to they've got those bikes that have the sort of virtual you know you can climb up the Himalayas or wherever you want to climb and mm-hmm. I just went to that and I just moved you know and I felt so much better when I did it but it's just making sure that the stuff that I do, I do because I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such such a good point. And it is the reason why it can be really demotivating sometimes to start yeah. something and just, you're not wrong. It's that the exercise isn't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's the same with diets and, you know, all of those kind of faddy eating things. And I've got a friend at the moment that's only eating, what's she eating? Well, not a lot like you know 120 grams of white fish and lots of vegetables and no oil and somebody else is having shakes and somebody else and you're just like yes you're going to lose of course you're going to lose weight and you know all the rest of it but at what point do you, does everyone walking down the high street look like a giant snickers bar because you're so <laughs> hungry and you're so do you know what i mean and it is it's it's really difficult to to not fall into those patterns that everybody else does you know I remember when that um Atkins diet came out and I think I was filming Place in the Sun at the time and you know I think I lasted oh god maybe a day if that and it was like I really don't want to eat bacon and eggs every day for breakfast and ham and cheese and stuff it's just not me Mm. um so again it's finding things that work isn't it and finding things that work for you because if you start saying well I'm not going to do this or I am going to do this or I'm going to make myself run every day pretty sure in a few weeks time or days if you're me you're going to give up this is a it's got to be sustainable it's got to be lifestyle and as much as I do Jillian Michaels actually those workouts are only 26 minutes and that includes the warm-up and cool down so I don't feel but also I have to I have to have that conversation with myself that if I can't commit to all the time that I'll take care of nutrition and I'll, I'll you know modulate accordingly Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I probably I do maybe three or four sessions now I can at the gym and, and during lockdown when I couldn't. I mean, I've literally got a cupboard full of you were just talking about things that you've spent money on, you know, a cupboard full of weights and kettlebells that I bought when I went to Aldi. <laughs> Pasta. You know, you do that every time we go into Aldi. It's like, well, I'm just going in for some bread and some pasta. And I come out with like a full equestrian set and (laughs) pairs of Wellington boots. But I've got a load of kit in there that I'm never going to use. I am not going to use it. So that is another one. You know, that's another decluttering thing that I'm going to do soon is sort of attack all these things that I've bought thinking, yeah, I'm going to do it. And and inevitably I didn't. Yeah, the physical manifestation or the physical sort of storage pile of of good intentions or big mm. ideas that actually aren't sustainable. I wonder, you talked about going to the gym. Are you excited about a spin class? I am. When, they, when they're it's up and running again. Bad, isn't it? So the thing that I did yesterday there, they've got these two little bikes in the gym and they have those, um, 
oh god what do you call them those programs where you can prep you know I think I was climbing up the Andes or something yesterday mm-hmm. and there's somebody in my ear so it's sort of like a virtual spin class but it's not the same as going like yeah it was actually do you know what it was really lovely so for 40 minutes I was just staring at the screen you know going through Hawaii and then I think I went to Utah and you know up and down the Grand Canyon and I and I came out there and I was like, God, that was great. You know, to the point I'm actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, thinking I might go and do one after I've left you today. Ooh. So yeah, and I think, you know, finding things that you like and spin classes are good for me. I have no coordination. Like I I would, if Strictly Come Dancing offered to pay my mortgage, I would not do that show. I couldn't think of, and do you remember that, that um, episode of Joey in Friends when he, um, when he was in the ballet class um, and he was pretending to be a ballerina and basically just every time yeah. they were like, yeah but that's basically me I have no coordination um I'm left-handed so I always lead left as opposed to leading right so yeah I've had friends walk out of exercise classes that they've come in with me because I've embarrassed them so. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like a spin class because it's stationary and I don't move off the bike so you know I get uh-huh. shouted at 40 minutes and then I'm done yeah, I can't wait to go back. I just thought, I remember thinking about six months ago, God, can you ever imagine doing a spin class again? And at that point, I couldn't. But now things have changed quite a bit. And I think, oh, gosh, can't wait to do spin again. Yeah, no, I am really looking forward to it. Just, <laughs> yeah, just two of the two or three of those a week. Very, very happy. Um, so tell me what habit number four is. Well, habit number four, I've put silence slash war. <laughs> so it's not actually really that. So, well, there's, I'm going to combine it all. So during lockdown, I, we'd got us, especially this last lockdown, which I found harder than the first one, I think. I think the first one, well, first of all, we both got, my husband and I both got COVID during the first lockdown. So we, you know, for about a month, we were both out of it in any case. So that was, that was interesting. And then I think the sort of novelty of, of it all was still quite, you know, apart from the homeschooling, which was horrific, <laughs> the actual slowing down was, was good. But this last lockdown, I really struggled with. And I think a lot of people did. And I don't know whether that was because we all got a bit of a taste of freedom in between the lockdowns and, you know, the carrot was dangled and then it was all sort of taken away again. But I really struggled this time around. And one of my coping mechanisms was to get up earlier than everyone else and before the kind of school day started. And I would walk and I would take the dog and I would go for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. I listened to lots and lots of podcasts, including yours, which is how we kind of, (laughs) I did lots of podcasts. I would walk down to a coffee shop. I would get a coffee. I would walk back through Bushy Park. And it was the sort of hour in the morning where I would set myself up or, or, you know, reset myself ready for the day. And it meant that I could process all the things that were churning around in my brain. I learned a lot from a lot of the podcasts that I that I listened to. Um, I got outdoors, you know. I got I got a bit of well, sometimes sunshine, but you know, fresh air and and it. Acast and befaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. 
Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. I would come back at about 9.30, because we used to start the school day at 10, slovenly. Um, I would come back at about 9.30, and I'd be ready. I'd be ready to tackle, you know, English and fractions and God knows what. And it really, really set me up. And the older I get, the more I need my own space and my own company. Mm. Um, I remember when I was a kid, and even, you know, sort of as a teenager and in my 20s, God, I hated being on my own. You know, the thought of sitting in a room on my own with a book or my own thoughts would have just, you know, turned me insane. But God, I crave it now. Just silence and just me. So me time or, 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 or space is, is hugely important. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Sitting in in your 20s by yourself was because you didn't have mates. friends. <laughs> <laughs> We used to go to this club in Portsmouth. It was like a bar called Ellie J's. And Sunday night was the night to go there, you know. And I remember going with a girlfriend of mine and saying to her, oh, could you imagine like never coming here? Could you imagine like staying in on a Sunday night? And we'd be like, oh, God, no, that would just be like awful. <laughs> Now the thought of going out on a Sunday night is horrific. But yeah, I think the older I get, the more I crave my own company and my own space mm. and, and even when we were all here together and we were all locked down I found that we all gravitated to our own sort of areas you know we did do family stuff you know we did do uno and board games and all the rest of it but we also all took time out and and I think it's hugely important to just learn to be mm. on your own and in your own space Yeah, I agree. And it's, it can actually feel quite um, grounding, quite centering once yeah. you start doing that. That's yeah, very much. I like a nap as well. Like the old Spanish have totally got it. Like if I, if I had my way, I would siesta every single day. And it's funny because a while ago I had some therapy and I was talking to my, to my therapist about my need to nap. And she said to me, is it that you're tired or is it that you want to shut down? And I'm like, it's probably the latter. I mean, there's a bit of the former in there, but if I'm really honest, it's, it's that hour of nothing, you know, of that just, I'm a cancerian, you know, I'm a little crab. So that hiding in my shell. And I have found that whenever I've been faced with, difficulties in my life you know I retreat and and the duvet is the shell I mean I do I can I can sleep anywhere at any point um it's quite a good ability to have <laughs> but that hiding under a duvet and taking time out again it's that silence isn't it is is hugely beneficial for me I mean I've got it down to like 15-20 minutes now I can do a nan nap or disco nap and be back on it again But having that small amount of time to just nap. So siestas, God, they've so got it right, the old Europeans. Mm, they Why really do. Don't, I don't know. They really do. Sometimes, though, I get to three o'clock, particularly during lockdown, because a nap during lockdown could have turned into just going to bed. So yeah. <laughs> now I force myself, if at three o'clock I'm beginning to feel a bit, oh, I could do with 15 minutes, because I always wake up from a nap ravenous. <laughs> 
Right. So I make myself go for a walk around the block now. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, getting out, getting out is a really important bit as well. You know, even if there were a few, I could count them on one hand, a few days during all this last lockdown where I didn't go out. But actually, ironically, I think the other thing that I've got really good at doing is listening to myself and listening to what, and this isn't in a selfish way, but what I want to do. Like, you know, there were a couple of times where I really can't be asked to go out today. And I'd be like, no, you've got to go out, you've got to go out, you've got to go out. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You know, just stay in. If you don't want to go out, don't go out. So I think, you know, to go back to what I was saying about how I struggled in my 40s and listening to all these other women that would talk about, oh God, it's like so amazing being in my 40s. I love it. Um, (laughs) One thing I have learned, the older I've got or the later into my 40s I've got is that actually I am starting to learn quite a lot about me and what I want and Mm not feeling so guilty. Somebody said something fascinating to me the other day and it sort of made me feel good and also slightly despairing. But they said that life is like a you, a giant you, the letter you, and the base bit, the bottom bit of the you is your sort of early 40s to early 50s. And that's the bit where you're kind of stuck. Um, and you start climbing back out of it again in your early 50s. And I found that fascinating because I was like, actually, that's exactly spot on. Because I started to sort of hit that that bottom U-bend <laughs> in my early 40s and I did not have a great time. Um, but I now feel that I'm sort of coming out the other side of the U, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. I think, and I also appreciate you being honest about that because I think you're absolutely right. The messaging you get is 40 and fabulous, 40 is just the beginning. It's the decade where you've probably got more wisdom than you've ever had and potentially more income. So yeah. you've never been more empowered, but actually if you feel like crap. Oh God, it's such a pile of bollocks. And for me, <laughs> you know, I, in my twenties and thirties, so in my twenties, I was modeling And then in my 30s, I started TV presenting. So I was being, you know, flown around the world. I was going to Fiji. I was doing Place in the Sun in Australia. I was going to, you know, parties and premieres with Johnny Depp. And, you know, and it was all kind of all encompassing and all glamorous. And and it's ironic, isn't it? Because in my 30s, all I wanted was to get married and have babies and thinking to myself, I'm never going to find a man and I'm going to be diamond like die old surrounded by spider plants and cats. And then I met Sean in my late 30s and we had babies and then the work started to slow down. Um, I wasn't getting as much. I wasn't traveling as much. I was kind of harassed. I didn't. Yeah. And I just I just felt lost. I felt really lost. And I don't know. I don't know whether it was sort of circumstances or whether it was a mixture of circumstances and hormones and you know, or all of it mixed in. But yeah, I did not, I was not 40 and fabulous. I was 40 and bloody miserable. <laughs> I think the media, obviously my experience is different because I worked on magazines, but mm-hmm. I've tried to explain this to people before. When I left OK Magazine, even though I really wanted to leave and I was desperate for something new, I don't think anyone can really understand the momentum with which those sorts of places move media places move tv programs and what have you so if you get booked for something or if you're working on a magazine there is always something happening and it's almost the the best sort of visual I can come up with is when I think about when I was offered the job on okay it was as if this massive locomotive was going through the station and I had to run to catch up and hold on yeah 
And if you're doing TV all the time, I can imagine that when you stop to have a family, I can totally imagine that, imagine that that would be almost like a double sucker punch. Yeah, it was really hard because, you know, I had these two little humans that that relied on me. And, you know, my husband is a cameraman, so he's away a lot. And there were a few times when I'd been offered jobs and, you know, I remember them saying, well, you could leave on a Sunday and come back on a Thursday. And I'd be like, well, that means that they won't see either of us for four days. And that's quite a long time. And, you know, I think it's, I have two very different children. I have, my, my oldest daughter is very um, gentle and sensitive and quiet. And then my youngest is basically me in minutes. She was born on my birthday. So it's quite, she's feisty, she's stubborn, she's sensitive. She's all of these things. So especially the oldest one, because the oldest one will sometimes, you're right, yeah, okay, everything all right at school, yeah. And then you'd be going to put her to bed at night and then at sort of nine o'clock, there'd be lots of tears and then something would have happened at school or something. And she just needed to get it all out. So I thought I can't just take off mm. um, four days at a time because these are the moments that they need me. And even though I knew all of that, and even though I was fully on board with it, it still, I still felt lost. I didn't know who I was anymore. I felt, I literally felt invisible. And, I, and I've heard other people or other women say this, that I could walk down a street and just think, I'm just, no one's, no one's aware that I'm here. It's very, it's a very odd feeling, especially like you say, like for both of us, you know, you've worked in magazines and, and media and, and I've done the whole, telly thing to go from that kind of pace yeah pace and I was going to say glamour and there are glamorous bits but as you well you know they're not as glamorous <laughs> as you think they are but to go from that to the school run twice a week or twice a day and you know what are we going to have for tea tonight was was odd a it's couple massive. of hormones all over the shop you know I mean that's the other thing and thank God there are so many more people talking about it now because I think the symptoms of all of it start way, way, way before you actually think they do. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And that's why I was so glad to have um, Anise Mukherjee, Dr. Anise Mukherjee on the podcast recently because she's written a book. It's basically like the guide to the menopause. But yeah. one of her critical messages is be in tune with what your body is doing and what your hormones are making you feel all through your life because they're present yeah. and... Just so that that will help you and I think that that's such good advice it really is and it's so important because you don't realize that that's what it is you just wake up in the morning and you feel really flat and you think why am I feeling like this you know what on earth is wrong why and I would sometimes look at myself that you've got you know a gorgeous husband you've got amazing children you've got a lovely house you've got gorgeous friends you've got all of this go why are you so bloody miserable <laughs> Pull it out together, but it, but it, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've got. It's still there. You still feel really about a bit broken. I think is probably the the word. Um, but I'm not so broken now. All the bits have been glued back together again. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, yeah I'm, I'm crawling out of the U. So it's yeah, it's good. It's good. Lovely. And so, where are we with the? I know it's the fifth, but technically not the final. <laughs> no it's not it's friends it is it's I mean which I know comes up a lot on your on your podcast but I think this last year in particular has really brought it home to a lot of us 
that without girlfriends, you are utterly buggered. Mm. Um, and I have different, it was funny because I was talking to my daughters the other day about it. And I was saying, I have different friends for different things. You know, I have friends that I laugh until I wet my pants with, you know, Baggett and Nadine Baggett and Rosie Green. We went out last week together and honestly, just, I mean, I was on the floor at one point. I couldn't stand up because I was laughing so much. But they're, you know, those two, for example, they're, they're such fabulous human beings. You know, they encourage, they support, they're mm. just wonderful. And then I have other girlfriends that I've known since I was 15, you know, who have, we've both been through everything together, you know, and there's nothing we can not say that, you know, there's no subject that's taboo, you know, girlfriends that, you know, I, I would be really stuck without. And I think, again, I'm a visual person. I can't be doing with Zoom and all of that malarkey. So I didn't really do a lot of FaceTime and Zoom chats during lockdown. I just went under the under the duvet. <laughs> but it's only now, you know, that I'm back doing the dog walks with them and meeting them for coffees and, you know, that I realise just how important they are and how much you miss them when they're not around. It's extraordinary how... Uh... I had exactly the same thing as over the last two weeks when we've been able to open up over here. I've done walks, cautious walks with friends and you realize it's how you feel afterwards and you realize how absent that has been and how my friend Emily came to visit and the afternoon that she left, I did more work in that afternoon than I'd probably done in the previous week because I yeah. felt so inspired and she'd really yes. had some stuff that was really thought provoking and I thought, oh, I'm going to try that and it's yeah. incredible. I remember reading an article in Red Magazine years and years ago, and it stuck with me. And it and that and the title was Friends That Make You Fizz or Fizzle. Mm. And I thought, God, that's really interesting. And they were talking about we've all got, you know, these, like you say, friends like yours that, that come along and you, you've spent two hours in their company and you are so inspired and you feel like superwoman and you know, you talk about ideas and 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 things that you can do and and it feels incredible and then other friends that you see because you know you have to but they're quite they're quite exhausting you need to have a little lie down afterwards but you know I have a friend called Debbie and and we meet our dogs are like best friends so we meet for a dog walk every every weekend and inevitably one of us is on rant mode and so we sort of rant the whole way around Bushy Park or uh, but then when we're finished it's like oh my god that felt so good mm. that felt so good whether it's to rant or encourage or to just laugh um yeah. and I've realized how much I've missed that and I think that that is that's a, a hugely important one for me I mean I couldn't order them if you asked me well, actually I could friends would be at the top yeah. but if I had to put them kind of you know one one to five I think just being around brilliant women um is just hugely important. Well, don't worry. This isn't Desert Island, Dis. So you don't have to choose <laughs> one at the end. <laughs> no, maybe do it. I'll take them all. That's such, that Desert Island disc is De Desert Island discs is so wonderful, but that bit at the end always gives me mild anxiety because I'm like, oh, they get washed away. Yeah, <laughs> and then that whole thing up. about someone the other day who was I listening to? I think it was Jason Isaacs, and he was saying that I no, Mark. And he wanted to um, uh, uh, wind up radio, which was he was allowed. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I could do with that, actually, because you're allowed to get away with it. Yeah, it's technically allowed because it's not plug in a ball. Oh, clever. I like yeah. that one. But you did say you had some other habits that you wanted to share. So what else did you have on your list? 
So I think, I mean, one of the big, the one of the big ones for me, um, it, 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 it's learning to be, oh God, it sounds, God, this sounds so naff, this sounds so like American, but being true to yourself, you know, and I think that's something that so many of us don't do. Mm. So many of us try to fit into some kind of bracket or category that other people want you to be. Um, and I think it's super important to actually listen to what you want to do, you know, a bit like we were just saying about now we're all allowed to sort of carefully socialize again. You know, there's quite a few people I know that don't want to, and it's like, don't then you don't have to do it. You know, don't feel that you are pressured into doing something that you don't want to do. I think that's, that's a, that's a big one. Um, and I think, you know, for me, especially growing up in like my twenties, when I was modeling, I was always being told to be something that I wasn't, you know, hips are too big, your nose isn't right. If only you were a bit thinner, if only you were a bit this, or no, you look too like the other girl, or, you know, I was told that constantly. Um, And yeah, I guess subconsciously that's, that, that goes in, doesn't it? That Mm. takes, you're constantly being told you're one thing or the other. Um, And it was something that I was saying to my husband a while ago, you know, for most of my adult life, I've done jobs where I have been judged on not necessarily my ability to do the job, but what I look like or how I come across, you know, whether it be TV presenting or modeling, both of those jobs, I guess it's a bit like being an actor, isn't it? You know, an actor can do a job, but you are given that part because you look a certain way or you act a certain way and yeah so for most of my adult life I've spent being judged or told to conform and that's quite an interesting avenue I mean god how long is this podcast (laughs) but But it's it's an interesting one it's one to sort of for people to take away and think actually you know just do what you want to do you know even if you've got like it must be hard. I know quite a few of my friends that sort of struggle with family issues and they feel they have to do something a certain way because one parent wants them to do something. And then it's difficult, you know, it's a minefield relationships in, in any way, shape and form. But, but I think just taking time to work out what's important to you. It's funny when I am, um, I do a, a place in the sun live exhibition. So I still do those. And I often say to people, you know, if you're buying with a partner, go into separate rooms and write down the top 10 things that you want from a property, you know, whether it's age or location or character or whatever, and then swap the lists over and see if you agree. And I think that that's quite an important exercise to do on yourself, you know, sit down with a piece of paper and write down 10 things that you want to be you know or how you want to present yourself or be in yourself and I think that's quite interesting you know lots of times when people you know people think oh she's gonna she must be really confident because she's on the telly or she and I'm not I'm one of the least confident people that I know you know the thoughts of social situations if it's with people that I don't know terrify me I'm always in awe of those people that can work a room you know can you work a room not in the slightest (laughs) not in the slightest I can work a bathroom stall by myself trying to figure out an excuse to leave early I did that at a mixer a couple of years ago where I got there walked into the room it felt quite frosty and so I went to the bathroom 
And it was only because one of the host hostesses actually came in and said, oh, sorry, I didn't see you coming in. How are you? And I think she thought she could spot a runner because I was <laughs> genuinely going to go home and just, and which would have been very rude. Can you imagine turning up to a catered meal and, and actually just, <laughs> just going, nah, not for me. It would look so arrogant, but I just felt uncomfortable. Yeah, I've done that before. I've gone into, into events and I've just thought, I'm just going to go and hide in the loo for a for- an hour <laughs> just come back out again but you know what's quite interesting I think because I can probably do and I'm psychoanalyzing you but I might be wrong but um if you're the presenter so if I'm a host or I'm the mm. presenter then I can turn it on because it's a role but if I'm just yeah. yeah absolutely like you know I'm about to start filming my series in uh two weeks time and yeah absolutely I'll get out of the car I'll go and meet the contributors I'll be all you know but put me in a room with a group of people that I don't know or, you know, any kind of big social situation. And yeah, not at all. I tend to sort of lurk by the bar, which is not a good idea because then I get too nervous and drink too much and then make a tit of myself and then spend the next week going, oh my God, did I make it? You know, so it's, yeah. Um, but I think confidence is a, I'd love to be more confident. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to me. It's, I was having this very conversation with a friend at the weekend. We went to sit in the park together and we were talking about comfort and mm. how if you're uncomfortable in a social situation, then it just leads to bad interactions. And then you spend the time afterwards worrying about what you've done. But I think if you go up to somebody in a, in a, and also expectations, but say that mixer I went to, if I went up and there was a group of women talking up and said, hi, I'm sorry to interrupt like Emma, I've just, just arrived. How is everyone? There's nothing that anybody could li- really be offended by there, apart from if you yeah. interrupted quite an intense conversation. And yet that's doing that, the idea of doing that will paralyze oh, me. Literally just wanted to vomit in my mouth. When you said that. Like, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it just terrifies me that whole and I you know I can always remember you know in the sort of height of place in the sun and when we you know I'd get invited to big premieres and then there's that huge bank of paparazzi and oh god it was just it was horrific and I developed this weird little tick on my mouth it would just like one part corner of my mouth and I was like oh god stop it you know like one of those little nervous twitches awful (laughs) awful yeah no not not for me thanks very much but yeah I'd like to be a bit more confident but I think that's I'd like to say it comes with age. Maybe once I've climbed out of this U, the bottom of the U that we're all in, I'm going to be like Superwoman. Then I can be 50 and fabulous. There must yeah. be answers about that. There, I'm sure there are. Absolutely. <laughs> Probably in good housekeeping. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so was that our only supplementary or did you have another one? Yeah, no, that was kind of it. I, sort of, I was just looking on my phone because I, I was going to say about writing lists. I'm a big list. Oh, lay off phones once a week. That was the other one that I'd put down. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I do this thing with the girls where I'm like, off your phones or screen time, you know, and we do have quite, wouldn't be that strict, but we do have limits about the amount of time that they're on their phones. And I think to myself, yeah, it's no good you saying that whilst you're actually on your phone. <laughs> yeah. So I tend to, and it's a, it's only something that I've started doing recently, actually, but, but once, a, once a week, normally on a Saturday, I don't tend to go on my phone a lot. So I don't do Instagram or, you know, any, well, actually I only do Instagram now. I don't do Twitter or do you do any of the other ones or are you just on Instagram? I'm thinking about 
getting rid of everything but Instagram because I just don't really use it. There's no they, point. That's another decluttering one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I stopped using Twitter a long time ago because I just found it was just vile. People were just horrible on it. Um, and Facebook, I don't understand Facebook anymore. I can't <laughs> work Facebook. Jesus, I sound like my nan. But I like Instagram, you know. Instagram I can do. I like it. It's a visual thing. I'm into Instagram. So you're mm. right. That's another decluttering one. Mm. I can add to that list. Um, but yeah, laying off my phone once a week. So it, it's normally over the weekend because that's when the kids are around that I will have one. I mean, I don't bury it in a box or anything, but I just leave it upstairs because everyone that I need to be in contact with are normally with me. You know, the kids are with me and my husband's with me. So I tend to try and lay off it. And that means not just Instagram, the news, the sidebar of shame, all of it. I don't look at any of it for a day. And actually having that headspace is quite important. I mean, I know there's a lot of people what was that wonderful what's his name Gary Janetti on Instagram he oh, was like you need to tell everyone that you're taking some time off social media because nobody cares <laughs> yeah uh, social media has become a place where people announce a lot which yeah. probably doesn't need yeah social media breaks I agree I've heard so many of my friends now do one day a week off social mm, and that's sort of something that I've done more by accident than anything, actually. I think, like you were saying, you know, by the time you've created all your content and you've done everything, you're kind of a bit spent. And actually, just having one or two days off it a week is actually a really good thing. And it's only something that I've done recently. But yeah, it's working at the moment. So yeah, gives me more time for walking. I love it. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. These have been great habits. And I appreciate your generosity by sharing some more because they were good ones. I left my husband building a guinea pig cage out in the garden. So I'm going to go finish making it and then I'm going to wallpaper it and put some tile. I'm not, I'm not going to wallpaper (laughs) My face just changed. (laughs) Well, I'm slightly tempted, but I won't. Maybe, maybe just a little flourish here and there. Um, Listeners, I will put the links to Amanda and where you can find her in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.